You're listening to First Draft on CL Radio, all about the art of brewing in Atlanta. Welcome to First Draft. I'm your host, Jill Melanson. Kettle Rock Brewing and Peachtree Corners opened earlier in 2021 and is truly a family-run business. Husband and wife team Diana and Stephen Pete are the CEO and CFO, respectively. Son Sterling is the head brewer. Daughter Krista is the assistant brewer. Son Taylor is the operations manager. And son Devin is the marketing manager. Diana and Devin Pete, welcome to First Draft. Thank you so much for inviting us. Yeah, we're happy to be here. So how did you, how did, uh, you can take turns on this one, but how did you both first get interested in craft beer? So my sons, Sterling and Taylor, started home brewing when they were in college. It's maybe been uh, almost 10 years now. And as things went along, they sort of drew us in and we got involved all together. They've done a lot of uh, homebrew stuff for celebrations, family celebrations and, and friend celebrations and things like that. And Devin, how did you first get in, into involved with craft beer? It was sort of the same thing. Like uh, Mom was saying, our, my older brothers were homebrewing, and uh, I would out, go up and help them out when they were homebrewing for the weekend. We all went to Georgia Tech, and it was kind of a fun uh, opportunity to combine kind of the science we were learning at Georgia Tech mm. and the art sort of of baking, of homebrewing. You know, it's just in that same realm. So you get to combine those two things to come up with really tasty beverages. Yeah, it's, uh, and everybody else noticed. It's interesting because in several of my interviews, when I've talked to head brewers, uh, they're quite often come from a science background, which I think is really cool. Yeah, it's interesting how it turns out like that. You know, it's you, you see this in the kitchen, too, where um, as, as artistic as it is, and it absolutely is, there's, there's that amount of love that you have to have that adds in it also, but there's, there's a very scientific background, too. It's understanding how all these things are reacting, uh, understanding specifically what's going on in each stage so that you get the perfect result, you know, and, and part of it's just repeatability, mm. especially once you get on the commercial scale compared to homebrew. Right. You want to be able to have great beer every time someone comes back. They don't want the, the kegs to be different. They don't want batches to be different. Uh, they want to have that awesome trailhead beer that they had six months ago. So it's a really important thing to be able to, to have that repeatability. So your CFO, Stephen Pete, retired from his other job a few years back, but then decided to open a brewery. How's that retirement coming? It was funny, and that was kind of, I don't want to say any impetus, but um, when when Dad was setting out to retire, as many dads do, they started thinking about what's the, the next phase in his life, and we frequent a growler shop that's nearby called the Peachtree Corners Growler Shop. Mm-hmm. And uh, they actually asked us if we wanted to take over the growler shop because the, the guy who owned it wanted to move on to his next project. It ultimately didn't work out, but we it sparked that conversation with all of us and, of course, with Dad in particular, that that might be an interesting next venture for him. Uh, and still, he is our only full-time employee, so <laughs> the rest of us do a lot of other things, but we all do it as our secondary job, whereas Dad's the, the full-time worker. Yeah, he's the one, when we stopped in, he was the one by, uh, behind the bar there, so <laughs> that is very true. Yep. So how did the brewery evolve from, hey, it'd be cool if we owned a brewery, to actually opening one? Well, it was, you know, one thing after another. It, it started out as just this idea that we threw around 
Uh, and then Dad and Sterling started talking about it a little bit more. Dad was running some of the numbers. Uh, Sterling was thinking back to the brews that he had made. It, you know, it's it's funny because because we brought that home brew to different parties, and we got to the point where people started requesting it at different parties. Ah. So when I graduated and had my graduation party, and I invited people. They specifically asked me, hey, are you going to have the grapefruit IPA that your brother makes? <laughs> I was like, that's really specific, but I guess I can have him brew it for us. I don't know if he has brewing. So, you know, we, we knew that people liked it and people asked us for it, right? You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. not just that we people told us they like it. They specifically were requesting it. Yeah. So once we decided we were serious, we turned it. And, you know, we did some intense market research. So we obviously did the fun part of visiting a bunch of breweries around us. Uh, we looked at the legal landscape. In 2018, there was a law passed in Georgia right. that was made made life much friendlier for breweries, <laughs> which is why, why you see them all popping up three years later, because mm-hmm. that's how long it takes. Yep. Um, we went to a conference in Vermont to that was specifically for helping home brewers pursue commercial operations. And that was crazy, and we learned a ton. And we kept up a standing uh, Monday meeting every week to talk about our progress uh, and what we found out and learn more from each other about how we could commercialize it. Mm. The other thing that really helped us was we ended up uh, seeing and entering in Gwinnett County's amazing entrepreneur contest. There was a category in that contest specifically for companies that had not yet started and were on their way to, uh, you know, they, they wanted to start and had a business plan and all this other stuff. So it was a good forcing function for us to create some of the collateral that we had been talking about. We created a, an actual business plan. We pitched it to, uh, to the amazing entrepreneur judges. We actually ended up winning the contest, which is really cool, yeah. but it, it really helped us along our way solidifying all the details. And if I understand correctly, uh, the the timeline here, originally you were set to open back in 2020, but didn't officially open until this past May. Was was COVID the culprit for the delay? Well, yes, of course, everybody has their COVID stories. And, you know, we're, we're, we're not different. We have ours, too. Mm. Um, we had a number of challenges presented to us. The, the first and the largest was that uh, we had we basically had all our funding in place, and we were actually looking at opening in uh, 2020. And when we went to the bank and said, "Hey, uh, we're ready to start looking at contract general contractors and things like that," they went, "Oh, wait, uh, there's this thing called COVID, and we don't <laughs> feel comfortable lending any money." So uh, we had to start all over on our financial quest, I guess. <laughs> But we were very fortunate to find a bank that actually, in some ways, it could have been better because they already did a lot of breweries. So they were familiar with our business and what we needed, and it it worked out pretty well. But, you know, it it did slow us down quite a bit. And then, of course, construction during COVID was also very challenging. I'm sure you've heard of all Mm. of the supply chain issues and getting... Uh, construction supplies, things that they normally just would go out and get and have the next day. We were taking, you know, four to six weeks for them to get. Mm. So it took a good long time. And and actually, we opened our doors not quite a year later than we were expecting. But 
that's that's how it goes. So <laughs> we're open now. That's the right, the best part. Uh, yeah, I'm amazed at how many breweries have been able to get their locations open during a pandemic. It's sort of impressive. Yeah, and in some ways it's been, of course, bad because of not being able to have revenue and all that good stuff. But on the other hand, you have a lot more time to sit and look and make sure that the recipes that you're going to make are good. Sure. Uh, you can pilot things. Everybody had to get creative with how they were getting funding and what they were going to actually do for pickup and all that kind of stuff. So there was, there was a lot of opportunity, even though there was also a lot of adversity. So the Peak family are all longtime Norcross Peachtree Corners residents. From what I understand from Stephen, most of you went to Norcross High School. Is that right? That's correct. That's awesome. I was used to teach there, actually, which is really great. And I, what I love about your location is from the outside, you know, you're in a, a sort of the average strip mall, but inside the design is very homey. It's like a hunting lodge type atmosphere rather than the sort of typical sparse warehouse style that so many other breweries have. I mean, there's even a fireplace there and the outside of the building sort of disguises the sheer size of the inside of, uh, of your brewery. What went into the design of this? Well, absolutely tons went into it. And I think it was really important to us. You know, we also have been to plenty of breweries and, and of course it's by necessity right a lot of these places had to open in industrial parks right because that was the only feasible business model and we're part of the new breed that's allowed to experiment and try different things part of this was you know community was a huge aspect of this going in for all of us we wanted to be a focal point for the community and to do that we wanted to have a space where you could come and relax mm. You know, obviously it's a family venture and we wanted it to feel like coming into the family room. We want you to feel at home when you come to the brewery. So it was, it was, there was a lot going on there to make sure that that design was realized. Mm. I'll give props to, to mom and to my sister, Krista, who spent a lot of time working on the design and, and helping our architects understand how the ornamentation was going to go along with the, the bones of the construction. But it was really, really important to us that you're not going to to some dingy warehouse space to drink beer. You're going to relax and unwind after mm-hmm. your day. And that's and definitely really the vibe. Love, absolutely. And we really love to hear people comment when they come in how nice and cozy they, mm-hmm. they feel there. Because, you know, it, it was it was really what we were going for. It really is, and I like I like the way that you know normally the the brew space is sort of set apart or behind windows or behind plexiglass or something, and it's it's right there. There's a little bit of a sort of fence thing going on, but you're right there with it, so you're kind of it's it, you're not you don't feel cut off from the uh, the actual brewing process. Absolutely, and that comes from our love from home brewing, right? You know, mm-hmm. we also came into breweries where we would want to see the equipment ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's- place up up in Athens called Creature Comforts Mm -hmm. and they have that very similar vibe where there's you know some piping that's between you and the brew house that's an amazing experience that's part of the experience to be able to go and see what's going on if you you know Sterling's there he'll talk you through what's in each tank Uh, and it's just a lot of fun uh, to be able to share that. You're listening to Diana and Devin Pete of Kettle Rock Brewing on First Draft. And you mentioned Sterling, your head brewer. He's literally a rocket scientist. Does, does that help him when coming up with new brews? 
It's absolutely, <laughs> we, we love him for it. He builds satellites and works on the propulsion systems at the at Georgia Tech Space Systems Design Laboratory. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it helps him with the beer necessarily, <laughs> but as we said, you know, it, it, he knows the science. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, it is not an accident when uh, a beer comes out and tastes great. It's absolutely by design, and uh, he, he applies the same rigor to the recipes that he does to these propulsions. You know, I, when I, vi- I visited a lot of breweries around town, well, around the country, really, and, and, you know, usually you walk in and they've got, you know, 10 different IPAs, and I loved the fact that you keep you kind of keep those IPAs to a minimum. I know you kind of have to have them, but I love that you, you have so many different styles. Was that a conscious decision to sort of offer more variety? Absolutely. Well, I will say that Sterling has a fondness for uh, European-style beers, but also even with the IPAs, he's experimenting and giving you a little bit different something in the IPA as well as rounding out our whole selection with a lot of different choices in beer. The other thing that's interesting about that is, you know, obviously uh, there's a bunch of other breweries in our area that are popping up. We've got Social Fox, Cultivation, and Anderby all within Mm -hmm. a couple miles of each other. And in the brewery scene, I feel this way. I know many others, and and I'll say it for all of us, you know, we don't really feel like we're competing with each other. Right. Uh, We're we're competing to make sure that you're not drinking Michelob or Budweiser. (laughs) We want you to drink a craft beer, right? And we thank you for that. (laughs) Absolutely. So one of of Anderby's specialties is IPAs. They have a bajillion Mm -hmm. of them on tap, right? and they're great. And so if you want an IPA, go down the street and drink his, and then come back and drink one of our (laughs) stouts. You know, it, it's, it's all about uh, a cooperation, I'll, I'll say. I like we're, that. We're, we're, we're competing, but it's a very cooperative experience. One of the things that you guys do that I think is really unique is you feature a base kettle sour and a seltzer, and then people can add, uh, you know, they get to choose between several different flavored syrups to add to it, sort of creating their own brew. It, had you seen that somewhere else, or was that a, an idea that you guys came up with? How did you come up with that? Yeah, so it was an idea we came up with uh, when we went to the Peachtree Corners Festival before we were open. Uh, we were making, we wanted to make craft soda, non-alcoholic, so that we could give people samples and they know the kind of quality that we had. Mm-hmm. And those had a, a bunch of different flavors. But it turned out that making those, the syrups for them, was really labor-intensive. So we wanted to do that. Um, but we didn't, we couldn't quite do it the way we did for the festival when we scaled that up to opening. And so we, that was just sort of the genesis of this idea and we ran with it and it's, it's been really great. It turned into an awesome thing where we could let people, like you said, customize their experience. Mm -hmm. And we have people who come in and like the base beers by themselves. You know, that's important to us that all of the beers by themselves stand alone. Right. But especially, again, the sour and the seltzer, they can customize it. And, and that's cool because, you know, I, I've gone to plenty of places. Sours are my favorite beers. And I've gone to plenty of places that will have one sour on tap and it'll be some flavor I don't happen to like. <laughs> right. Whatever it happens to be. And so that means I don't get to have anything, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have that beer that I like at all. And so here you have one of five options, the base and four flavors. And I have not yet had a person come up and say, oh, there's nothing for me here. I guess I'll have something else. Right. So, so it allows us to expand without having to have more taps. Yeah, it makes a, lot, makes a lot of sense. I thought it was really creative. 
and people just love to choose mm-hmm. for themselves the yeah. flavorings. Yeah, it's great. Uh, when we were there, I really enjoyed the uh, the bear tracks, the wee heavy that you have. What's your most popular beer on tap right now? So that's absolutely one of the most popular. Um, our our most popular is Trailhead, which is our blonde ale, mm-hmm. and it was actually so popular that it ran out before we were projected to make more. <laughs> so uh, we had to move up that timetable, and it is it is coming back in the next couple weeks. Oh, good. Um, we were we were, we had three other blondes that were flavored that we made in between. Uh, and those were kind of the stand-in while this one was off. Uh, they also sold wildly well. Uh, they've been extremely popular. So we're really excited for, for Trailhead to come back and have, have that be a nice anchor beer for us. Great. Now, as of right now, your, your beers are only available in the tap room. Do you have plans to eventually expand into canning your own? Absolutely. So we actually do have a canning machine, and we did our first canning run in the past couple weeks. We submitted for Strong Beer Fest, and uh, for that, we delivered cans for them through a distributor. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of our test run to see how all the different pieces, how canning worked, how distribution worked, uh, and make sure that everything worked out well for us, which it did. And so in the coming months, we're going to take that and scale it up. We also already have growlers and growlers in our in the tap room, so uh, those are made uh, as you order, so if you want a wee heavy, uh, we can absolutely make one there for you. Uh, but the canning will be easier to sell a six pack, right? And literally get it. Of course, you know, for canning, and we can also distribute. Then getting that uh, kegs into bars and restaurants around Peachtree Corners, yeah. and Burnett County. You guys also feature uh, live music pretty regularly. Was that always part of the plan too? Just to to sort of get involved with the community in that way. It was absolutely a plan to be involved in the community. Live music has worked out for us really well. We actually were, uh, we had several bands of friends of ours, uh, I guess the other way around, we had friends of ours who came to us and said, hey, I heard you're opening a brewery, I'm in a band. Let us know when you open because we want to play there. (laughs) So, you know, was the plan to have live music every weekend? No. Did it work out that way? Yes, and we're <laughs> definitely enjoying it. That's wonderful. So anything you can tell me about what's next for Kettle Rock? Uh, any new brews on the way or anything, uh, any events coming up you can let us know about? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the, the beer side. We've got a couple awesome beers coming up. We already mentioned Trailhead is making its big return. Mm-hmm. I know that's going to make a huge splash. It <laughs> yeah. sells very quickly. Hopefully we made enough this time, but if not, we'll just make more. <laughs> The next thing that's coming out is a strawberry milkshake IPA. Mm. So that is creamy with a little bit of lactose, but otherwise has your hops, bitterness, and a little bit of sweetness of a, of a traditional IPA. And that is a uh, homebrew recipe that we're scaling up for the first time. So it was, it was, again, one of those ones that got requested at parties, and so we're really excited to be able to sell that. The other big thing that's coming up is we're starting up our barrel-aged program. So when we opened, we were able to uh, go down to ASW and get four barrels from them. And we have been aging uh, several different things in those since then. Uh, and so the first one that's coming out is a barrel-aged Wee Heavy. Mm. And so you'll you'll probably have to swing by and yeah. get that one for yeah. sure. For sure. And on the event side, 
uh, you already mentioned the live music. We have live music all, most every weekend now, uh, some, sometimes on Friday, sometimes on Saturday. So check our website if you want to come out for music. Uh, we're, we're also trying to have a variety of different music. We've had some jazz. We've had some blues. We had some good old rock and roll. Um, and the best news is we're having a great Kettle Rock and New Year's Eve party. So we look forward to having a lot of folks come out for that. Tell us the details. How do people uh, get uh, tickets and things like that for that? Okay, well, we don't really do tickets. We just have okay. people come on in. Awesome. Um, so we'll just, especially for the live music, we're, you know, we have plenty of room, as you said, in the tap room. Mm-hmm. So we don't have separate tickets for live music. Okay. And um, we weren't planning to do anything special other than invite people in. For New Year's Eve. Nice. I like that kind of party. Much more casual. I like it. And we will have food there on New Year's Eve. We're going to have small bites provided by Gourmet Creations so people can pick those up during the night whenever they get hungry. Wonderful. Okay, guys, thank you so much. Tell everybody where you're located and any of your social media handles where they can keep in touch with you. Okay, well, we're located at 6025 Peachtree Parkway. It's in a small shopping center right off of Highway 141, easy, very easy to get to. Mm-hmm. And our website is kettlerockbrewing.com, and we're on Facebook and Instagram, also at Kettle Rock Brewing. Uh, Devin and Diana, thank you so much for being on First Draft. Thank you so much for having us. You've been listening to Diana and Devin Pete of Kettle Rock Brewing on First Draft on CL Radio. Get in touch with us on Twitter at CL underscore Atlanta, or email me at jill at creativeloafing.com. You've been listening to First Draft on CL Radio.